you want victory, you can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder of Weirs Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. Our text this morning is 1 Timothy 5, 17 through 25. This is God's Word. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, do not muzzle the ox while it is treading out the grain, and the worker deserves his wages. Do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless it is brought by two or three witnesses. Those who sin are to be rebuked publicly so that the others may take warning. I charge you in the sight of God and Christ Jesus and the elect angels to keep these instructions without partiality and to do nothing out of favoritism. Do not be hasty in the laying on of hands and do not share in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. Stop drinking only water and use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. The sins of some men are obvious, reaching the place of judgment ahead of them. The sins of others trail behind them. In the same way, good deeds are obvious, and even those that are not cannot be hidden. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. What in the world is an elder? The term elder was just not used in most Baptist churches in the last mm, hundred years. Not because it wasn't biblical, it's right there clearly in the Bible, but because they didn't do that. And yet the Bible does. So who are they talking about? Well, pastor is another word more popular in certain circles for what an elder is. But As you read the scriptures, you find that the churches tended to have more than one of these elders and the elders who direct the affairs of the church. Well, that would be the deacons, wouldn't it? No. The deacons are the ones who were supposed to be focused on taking care of, for instance, the widows who need support. So they handle logistics and make sure people aren't overlooked. And the elders direct the affairs of the church. I didn't make that up. That's what the Bible says. We're supposed to go by what it says. So, what is there another word that's also used? Yeah, overseer is another word. Oh, but that's sometimes translated as bishop, isn't it? Yeah. Well, the bishop's not... In the local church, he's kind of over a region. That's tradition. That's not scripture. Okay? 
Pastor, you are confusing me. Well, I'm not trying to confuse you. I'm trying to awaken you to the fact that we have to look at Scripture to see what we're supposed to do, not at whatever we grew up with. Tons of church divisions happen because people are bound and determined to keep things the way they're comfortable with. When I pastored in Atlanta, I had people coming to me all the time and saying, what you're doing is not Baptist. And I would say, well, don't Baptists believe the Bible? They say, well, of course. And I say, well, what does the Bible say? Well, the church I came from, we did it like this. I said, I didn't ask that question. I said, what does the Bible say? Because if we're going to be people of the book, whatever denomination we may belong to, if we're going to be people who treat this as God's word, we need to go to the scriptures to see what we're supposed to do. Well, I'm going to give you a brief primer, just very brief. There are three forms of church government. One is congregational. That means the congregation is run pretty much like a democracy, and whatever the people vote, that's it. Then there's Presbyterian. That's about having a plurality of elders, and they direct the affairs of the church, but they are chosen by the people of the church. Okay, now, is there any support biblically for congregational government? Yes. There are a number of places in the Bible where things clearly were decided by the congregation at large, like who they're going to have for deacons, for example. But elders are described as ruling in the church. They're described as directing the affairs of the church. So there's definitely biblical basis for the idea of a plurality of elders who govern the local church. There is another form. There's a third form. It's called Episcopal government. What does that mean? Well, it comes from the Greek word episkopos, which just refers to bishop. So that means you've got some individual who is over the local church. I know a ton of Baptist churches that have a bishop. He's called the pastor. When W.A. Criswell, now in heaven, went to First Baptist Dallas, at the first deacons meeting, they asked him to share his vision. He was a young man in a big church with a long and proud history, the church that is. And so he said, this is what I believe we ought to be doing in the years to come. And one of the deacons spoke up, and they had a lot of deacons. One of the deacons spoke up and said, that'll never work. Criswell looked at the rest of them and said, either he goes or I go, and got up and walked out of the room. After a few minutes, they came out to Dr. Criswell, and they said, um, he's gone. Now, that's called a bishop. They didn't call him Bishop Criswell at First Baptist, but that's how he operated. When it was time for a congregational vote, he would say, 
All those in favor, say aye. That's all of us. Now, why are you telling us this? Because if we want to understand what it says about elders, the first thing we have to understand is that it says, the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor. They should be given extra honor if they do a good job directing the affairs of the church. So there is a certain authority vested in the elders according to Scripture. Not just this passage, but a number of others. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. Well, how could you have an elder whose work is not preaching and teaching? Because you also have ruling elders. That doesn't sound Baptist. Does it sound biblical? Okay? Now, how many of you in here are not old enough to have a driver's license? Let me see your hands. Okay? So, what am I talking to you for? I'm not. God is. Because you need to understand that how churches are governed matters. Don't think that all churches everywhere are the same. They're not. Some churches are eager to do what God says, and other churches don't even look into the scriptures to see what God says. And so you, as a follower of Jesus Christ, and many of you are followers of Jesus Christ, you need to be looking as you go out into life, as you go home on break, as you are in situations where you get a say in this, you need to be looking for churches that are eager to do what God says. And they don't get it by just, I'm sensing this. They get it here. The scriptures are sufficient. Go to his word, see what he says. Folks, it's a great privilege for me to be able to come each evening and bring God's Word on these stations, and I'm thankful that I have the opportunity to do that. But if you listen regularly, you know that my life day-to-day -day is involved in trying to minister to kids who come from very difficult situations. I want to ask you to help us. Contact us at wvr.org and find out how you can be a part of the miracle. That's wvr.org. Please help us help these children. To step out of my comfort zone Into the realm of the unknown where Jesus is Those who rule well, worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, do not muzzle the ox while it is treading out the grain. And the worker deserves his wages. So we're supposed to pay the preacher? Yeah. Yeah, keep that in mind. You may at some point want to get married. And therefore, you may need to enlist the services of a preacher who, if he is worth anything at all, is not going to marry you unless he's done premarital counseling with you. And if he spends the time to meet with you repeatedly and counsel you and pray with you and encourage you and then he shows up and does the wedding? Do you think he ought to make as much as the photographer? 
Just asking. Now, I'm just saying, are you saying, Pastor, that, that you haven't been compensated adequately? God has been so generous to me, I am fine. Okay? How much money I get paid to do what I do is really not of concern to me because I work for God and he's promised to take care of me and he's done a very generous job. But how well you support the leadership of your church is something that you're going to answer to God for. Because you ought to want to support those who are laboring in order to serve. Now, we don't have time for it this morning, but I want to encourage you to read 1 Corinthians chapter 9, in which Paul talks about what he's entitled to as an apostle traveling around the missionary planting churches. 1 Corinthians 9, he says, these are the things I'm entitled to. These are my rights. And he cites these same sorts of scriptures. Then he says, but I haven't used that. I haven't required that. I have spurned that. I've supported myself because I don't want anybody to be able to take credit for my ministry. I'm doing this for the Lord. Paul, in 1 Corinthians 9, says, I don't work for you guys. I work on your behalf. I'm doing all kinds of things for you. But you need to understand, I'm working for God. That is the kind of pastor you should want. Okay? Well, how, how, much, uh, how much do you think a pastor ought to get paid? I don't know. How much do you make? On Cape Cod, we had a business meeting where the church had grown tremendously in the early years that I was there. I was only there five years. The church had really grown, multiplied. We're having a business conference, and we're about to vote through the budget, and one of the members spoke up. It's congregational government, congregational meeting. One of the members spoke up, and he said, uh, you know, I'm a single guy, and uh, I don't have any kids to support, and I, I don't have as good an education as the pastor has, but um, I make a lot more money than he does, and I don't think that's right. Well, I'm standing over there saying, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and so afterwards, the chairman, they decided to delay the vote on the budget, and afterwards, the chairman of the finance committee came to me, and he said, Jim, I'm really embarrassed. He said, I, I just hadn't thought about it. How do you live on what we pay you? And I said, I don't live on what you pay me. I said, I live on what you pay me plus the other stuff God sends. And God has met all of our needs. You understand? But you and I are responsible if we're in a church to make sure that the pastor is being well supported. So uh, I see where some of those preachers on TV make... Uh, millions and millions of dollars a year, have, you know, jets and fleets of cars and all kinds of servants and things like that. Is that what we need to do for our pastor? No. If your pastor writes a best-selling book and makes millions off of his book, you still need to pay him. But you sure don't need to pay him 
enough to try and keep him there. I had a guy who came to me in Atlanta, and he said, Pastor, I'm afraid if we don't give you a nicer house over here close to the church that uh, you're, you're going to leave us. And I said, I assure you, that will have nothing to do with it when the Lord calls me elsewhere. You don't need to live in a mansion. But God says here that the worker deserves his wages, and that includes those who are in ministry. But then there's a flip side to this. Do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless it is brought by two or three witnesses. Do not go on the basis of hearsay. Do not spread gossip. There need to be multiple, there needs to be multiple witnesses in order to take an accusation against an elder seriously. Why? Because Satan is the accuser of the brethren, and if you are in public ministry, you have a giant target on you. The devil will go after your kids, he'll go after your spouse, and he'll go after you. And if he can't get you to do stuff that you shouldn't do, he will try and get people to think you did stuff you shouldn't do. That's all that's needed. So, do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless it's brought by two or three witnesses. But, if there is sin, if it turns out it's true, then what's supposed to happen? Those who sin are to be rebuked publicly so that the others may take warning. If you're not an elder and you're caught in sin and it's dealt with, it can be kept private. If you're an elder and you're caught in sin, it's to be dealt with publicly. So on the one hand, we're supposed to pay them. On the other hand, if they do something wrong, it's supposed to come out. Yeah, and one of the hideous evils in the church, in the organizational church today, is that pastors, youth pastors, other church workers who were caught having engaged in immorality, even child molestation, it was quietly dealt with and they went right on to the next place where they did it all over again. God says, if an elder engages in sin, it's to be dealt with publicly so that others might take warning. And those who have tried to sweep that stuff under the rug are going to answer to God for their sin. Because God said, bring it out in public. Well, I'm just afraid it'll ruin the reputation of our church. Well, why don't you worry about what God says? God says if an elder is found to be in sin, it's to be dealt with publicly. So, I charge you, Timothy, in the sight of God, that you follow these instructions without partiality and do nothing out of favoritism. Then he says, do not be hasty in the laying out of hands. Don't hurry to ordain somebody. Well, they're so gifted. Yeah, but they're not proven. Well, they're so talented. They're so energetic. I just want to encourage them. I think it would be great to go ahead and ordain them. Don't. They can serve, they can do ministry, but you don't ordain them. 
that should be a really sacred thing because God says so. Do not be hasty in the laying on of hands and do not share in the sins of others and keep yourself pure. This is the second time he said to Timothy in this letter, you need to be pure. Folks, if that standard is applied by you to your life, how are you doing? Is your life a model of purity? You're to be a model of purity. Stop drinking only water, he says. Use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. Okay, first of all, he says a little wine. Secondly, it's because of your illness. You're taking it like medicine, the way that senior adults used to use Geritol. The ads for Geritol said, feel stronger fast. Well, that's because it had alcohol in it. Okay? Now, you don't take a bottle of alcohol and go, 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 go. But it was just, just a little. Well, it had iron in it, too. Yeah, it had iron in it, but I think what you were feeling, if you felt anything, was probably the booze. Okay? Pastor, what are you telling us? It's okay to drink alcohol? Not here. But Paul told Timothy that he should, in small amount, because he was frequently ill and he had stomach problems, which if you've ever traveled in the two-thirds world, you know that water, clean water, is often hard to come by, and the result can be parasitic infections and so forth like I got in Guatemala. Okay? Now, what I want you to note about that is Paul didn't say to him, Timothy, it's come to my attention that you frequently have stomach ailments and other illnesses. Where's your faith, man? You just need to believe God for healing. From the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. You just claim it. That's not biblical. That's garbage. You need to trust God. And sometimes, as in the case of the Apostle Paul, he gives you a thorn in the flesh because you need that more than perfect health. So, Timothy had some ongoing, frequent illnesses. And Paul said, take some medicine, Timothy. Take some medicine. The sins of some men are obvious, reaching the place of judgment ahead of them. The sins of others trail behind them. We've seen some of that in recent years with celebrity preachers. The accusations started coming in. They absolutely denied it. They died. And it turned out Ravi Zacharias had a whole bunch of stuff on his computer and in his phone that showed that the accusers were telling the truth and that Ravi was lying. Heartbreaking. Yep, sometimes the sins of others trail behind them. We don't always know what's going on. But in the same way, good deeds are obvious. And even those that are not cannot be hidden. In other words, 
If you do what God says, sooner or later, it's going to come out that you are doing the right thing, that you are serving the Lord. Often we find out when a person goes to be with the Lord, how faithfully they were serving Him. And we had no idea of the impact until they were gone. What will it be for your life? This doesn't just apply to preachers. This applies to all followers of Jesus. Follow Him closely. Do what He says. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.